Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the 17th chapter of John's gospel, beginning in the 6th verse. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is praying, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they may also be sanctified in truth. I ask not on behalf of these, but on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this passage, Jesus is praying for his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion because he knows they're in for a shock. After his crucifixion and resurrection, they will be subject to forces seeking to scatter and destroy them. Fightings without and fears within, as we sometimes sing. Forces still with us today. And so he prays for them. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And right there, there is the heart of the mystery Jesus' life, death, and resurrection makes possible. I am in the Father and the Father is in me and as we say in the South, y'all can be in us. God's life, this community of love, the, the love of the Father for the Son in the Spirit, it's open to us now. God's life is not like a, a, a gated community and we the poor beggars on the outside. No, God is a roomy, welcoming in with the doors wide open in Jesus. It's what Methodist hymn writer Charles Wesley was writing about in a hymn to the Holy Spirit when he said he longed to be plunged in the Godhead's deepest sea, lost 
in thine immensity. Plunged in the Godhead's deepest sea. Jesus stands at the shoreline of God's life and says, come on in, the water is fine. But notice, it's not for our sakes alone. There's another reason Jesus wants us to be united in him as he is in the Father. So the world might believe. Now, if you've spent any time studying the Gospel of John, you might have found yourself asking, what in the world does world mean in John's Gospel? From its first mention in the first chapter, he was in the world, but the world did not know him. To the most famous reference in the third chapter, for God so loved the world, to this chapter where if you were counting as I read, though I doubt you were, you would have noticed that Jesus mentions the world 17 times. Those whom you gave me from the world. I am not asking on behalf of the world. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. The world has hated them because they belong to the world. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. What in the world is he talking about? Well, one of the reasons it's difficult for us to, to get what world means here in John's gospel is that we already have a kind of cultural notion of what something is that's worldly, a, a worldly thing. Somewhere along the way, we've learned that a worldly things, are, there are certain classes of things that Christians are supposed to avoid or give up. And what I find interesting is that it seems each generation has its own definition of what counts as worldly. Once it was playing cards or going to the movies on Sunday afternoons. To that great moralist, Professor Harold Hill, a.k.a. the music man, it's playing pool because pool will get you in trouble, trouble, trouble. I don't know. I don't know what would it be today. Maybe drinking out of plastic straws. Or, or having one too many pieces of New York pizza, as my family did last night at 10 o'clock. Or, or having an extra shot of espresso in your Starbucks latte. Worldly indulgences. But in John's gospel, world is so much bigger than that. It's a, it's a comprehensive category, not a narrow list of vices. World here names all of reality oriented away from the plans and purposes of God. It's the reality we were born into, it's the water we swim in, it's the way things are that shapes our existence, the way we see and live and act. Hardly a, a list of things we need to give up. World is a reality we need to be rescued from. And when you realize that, you can begin to see that the world here names all of those forces that keep human beings from flourishing in relationship with God and with other human beings. 
So racial division that seems almost insurmountable, endemic in our society, that's world. Or the myth of class that shapes our living and our choices, that's world. Or hyper-nationalism, or the fear of the other, fear of stranger, so all of these things, world. And here's another one, one that doesn't usually make the nightly news. Our revulsion at weakness and vulnerability that makes us want to hide, to keep out of sight anything that reminds us of the frailty of human life. Not very many years ago, Pope John Paul II was declared a saint by the current Pope Francis. And one of the reasons he was recognized for his sanctity was the way he bore his illness in the last years of his life. You might remember in the late 80s or early 90s, John Paul II was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And people began to wonder. He was that globe-trotting pope, that public figure, and they wondered, would he retire? Would he withdraw? Some began hoping he would. Our fear of vulnerability made people ask, what's he doing? Traipsing around the world with Parkinson's disease. What in the world is he doing letting people see him stumble when he walks and, and struggle when he speaks and, and watch him waste away. Do we really have to watch this? Why can't he just disappear? That was world speaking. But John Paul knew better. He knew he was no longer of the world. He had accepted Jesus' invitation, leave world life. Enter God life. But he was still in the world. And he had to let the world see how God's strength is made perfect in weakness. So there's nothing to fear. Or how else would the world ever believe. And now he also, I suspect, needed to help Christians see that being no longer of the world, entering the ocean of God's life and love, does not mean withdrawal or disengagement. God's life, this life we enter, it's not just an inviting in life, it's also a sending out life. So Jesus also prays, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Called out of the world, sent right back in. Or to use a different ocean metaphor, it's getting caught in the rip currents of God's love. I'm originally from the Midwest, from Indiana. We don't worry much about rip currents uh, in Indiana. My Floridian in-laws laughed at me the first time I told them that our annual family vacation was to Indiana Beach 
on the shore of beautiful Lake Schaefer in northern Indiana. We didn't think about the currents at Indiana Beach. So the first time my wife and I took our kids to a real beach in North Carolina, and I saw the, the signs warning me of the rip currents with little stick figures of people getting swept out to sea, and I saw the lifeguards on their four-wheelers with their binoculars looking just like David Hasselhoff, and I saw the, the yellow caution flags. I thought, we're going to let our kids go in there? What in the world? What if they get dragged out, swept out? As you have sent me into the world, Jesus prayed, so I have sent them into the world. Sometimes I think churches should have warning signs on the doors. Shouldn't we? Yellow caution flags. Yes, you're welcome here. Come in here. Meet God here. Enter God's life here, but watch out. The rip currents of God's love are strong, and you might get caught in one and get sent right back out. Who knows where? But we do know where, don't we? It will send us to be among the weak and the vulnerable and the stranger, all those whom world says don't matter, don't belong. When my wife and I were pastors in Durham, North Carolina, of Duke Memorial United Methodist Church, uh, a downtown church, we had lots of of small groups meeting because it was so hard to build relationships and overcome loneliness. So they would meet in houses and they would meet in the church. But we had one small group that didn't meet in a house and it didn't meet at the church. It met at, it met at Henderson Towers. Henderson Towers is a public housing facility for very low-income senior adults. It's one of the places world keeps the weak out of sight. But some members of our congregation had stepped into that current of God's love, and that's where it sent them. So every Friday morning, a, a small group met at Henderson Towers. Half of them were members of our congregation, half of them residents of the housing facility. And they studied scripture, and they prayed, and they got to know one another better, and this sending out God whose love had brought them together. As you have sent me into the world, Jesus prayed, so I have sent them into the world. Now my family worships at a small Methodist church in Fox Chapel, Pennsylvania. Fox Chapel is the wealthiest borough in all of Pennsylvania. And when we started worshiping there, they were just beginning a new ministry in Sharpsburg, which is one of the most economically depressed regions in all of Pittsburgh. Now today that new ministry is a, a thriving second campus with free health clinics and legal clinics and a circles out of poverty program and art shows and coffee house and community meals and, and Sunday night worship. But, but it wasn't that when we started worshiping there. It was just some people from the church and our intern Ben who had stepped into the current of God's love and that's where it sent them. Every Wednesday afternoon, Ben would walk the streets of Sharpsburg, just talking to folks, getting to know the neighborhood, making new friends. Eventually, the church began having a, a community dinner every Thursday night. They called it the neighborhood table with no other agenda than to discover unlikely relationships 
across those stubborn lines that world has put in front of us and said we can't cross race and class. When they started this ministry, they had no idea where it was going. In, in a way, we still don't. All they knew was they'd stepped into the current of God's love, and this is where it took them to be a sign of hope and friendship and peace in a, a really struggling place. Surely churches that worship Jesus should have warning signs, shouldn't they, and caution flags? Danger! Who knows where you'll end up if you come in here? As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Who is he talking about? Who in the world is them? So I have sent them. Who in the world are they? Well, to clear up any confusion about who he's talking about, on the evening of the day he was resurrected, Jesus appeared to his disciples just a few days after this prayer in a locked upper room. You might remember the story. And he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And he looked into their eyes, into our eyes, really. And he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.